Because like even like, you know, let's take uh Snap Hands McGee, big purple man from uh, the Marvel Universe, Thanos. So you got Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This man said Snap Hands <laughs> McGee. And then he said, you know, the big purple man. <laughs> Barney the dinosaur? <laughs> I mean that's that's normal parlance for how you talk about Thanos. But anyway, you could take Hello and welcome to the Super Agile Bros Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. And welcome, if this is your first time, to your favorite anime, movie, and gaming podcast. And if you've been here before, welcome back. Good to good to see you again. Glad you're getting to hear us again. Uh, so today, we got in the room some familiar voices. We got the brothers here today. I'm going to go ahead and introduce them to you. What's up, Braston? How you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing all right, man. Uh, y'all might be able to hear it in my voice, but I got a little cold, little coffee, coffee. So I'm here. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm sad. I needed like 24 hours. I was telling guys, I just need 24 hours and I'd be good. So, but hey, it'd be like that. You get 12. I, and we also I, got the- or zero, <laughs> zero, zero. Yeah. You have negative 12. And we also got the other brother here. We got Steve. How's it going today, Steve? Do, re, mi, I feel great. I love that song. It's very nice. It's, yeah, that's, it's that's the one song, song everyone knows. <laughs> that sounds like a weird, like, Teletubby song. Like, <laughs> that little kids would do. <laughs> that's how I approach children. Them. I just walk up and I crouch in front of them and I just yell <laughs> in their face, Do, re, mi. And they love it. They start laughing, trying to help Get away me. from my baby. My favorite part is they never set bail. For you, every time. <laughs> yeah, my bail is uh, the rest of the scale. I don't know the rest of the song. I actually just took a test to see if I'm tone deaf on YouTube. It was a very professional test. It was very you cool. Mean, I took it too. I'm, you're definitely tone deaf, but maybe not from a ear standpoint. Ooh. <laughs> I'm just going to roast that man. Do re me. I mean, I 100% expected him to try to throw shade like that there's nothing you can do you know some people the, are a lost cause I'm, I'm a big tree i always throw in shade <laughs> Ooh. i'll tell you what you are a big tree it's cooler in the shade you're yeah, actually helping I, people i am helping the fools. you're a, you're a crab apple tree you're just a sour disappointment that's the sphere. I drop it on your stupid little head <laughs> in my shade. You stupid, stupid little person. <laughs> With your dumb little head. <laughs> well, we could go for hours. Let's move on. I, I'm going to stop you there then and talk about <laughs> what we're going to talk about today. Talking about talking. Today, we're talking about game pitches. In particular, which TV shows and movies would make a great video game, board game, card game, any sort of game. But these things that we watch on TV that deserve some sort of interactive interpretation, if you will. So to get us to get us going, I guess, I'm going to pitch a question to you guys. Um, have you ever had, and we had a debate, you know, on, on which movies, you know, or if, if a video game based movie. A movie based on a video game. I'm getting all twisted up. A movie based on a video game could be any good. So, could a game based on a movie 
be any good in you guys' opinion? Like like any in general? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll start. Yeah, I think I think uh, there is certainly room in existence for a good movie-based video game. You know, um, or any game, I guess. I'll, I'll even I'll even be specific. You know, I'll take that. I'll say, yeah, a video game based on a movie could be good if you've played something like Alan Wake, which is a very cinematic experience, or any of those uh, those games. Then you can kind of see how that might look. Mm. There's also, of course, the obligatory. Or here, here's my question. Do we want to draw the line at like the obligatory games that are like, you know, like Monopoly has a billion different renditions based on football teams and like video game or not video games, but based on every conceivable property? Do we want to say exclude Monopoly? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a themed like I think a themed game. Is it's like oh, there's a themed uh, quiz game or something like that. Like yeah, that doesn't really count as a game. It ha- to me, I feel like if it's going to convert from one medium to the other, it has to fundamentally like st- like carry the essence. So it, ha- it can't like so like my, you have to feel yeah. My Harry Potter trivia game won't work. Ex- exactly. If it's just a man, I can't think of. There's so many trivia games out there. Uh, Pictionary, trivial um, pursuit, trivial pursuit. Any of those that just can put a skin on it or a theme, I think. Yeah, so I agree. Like excluding Monopoly and Trivial Pursuit and charades and stuff like that. Yeah, I okay. went to the store today and I saw there was a, a Harry Potter themed Scrabble. Which so like what what bearing? Harry <laughs> wait a have? second. Does that just allow you to use made up like Latin esque words in Scrabble? Ooh, maybe. I feel the only like, word I would ever try to place is Hufflepuff. That's it. Right. I, I, I feel like that's just begging for trouble. That's like the one thing in terms of language that Harry Potter is known for is like is the magic spells. Yeah, you're opening up a can of worms. Yeah. Is Avada Kedavra <laughs> an allowed word? Avada Kedavra? I mean, if you can spell it. Somebody, is that what they say? Somebody clearly the- has not read or is that what, heard I've, I've already told you this <laughs> i have not read any of the harry potter remember i told you i've only seen like the first and the second and the last the second part of the last movie you avada know, kedavra so. excuse me avada kedavra is the infamous uh unforgivable killing curse yeah, it's one insta-kill. of three it's it's an insta kill can't be blocked and it's one of three spells that is like banned. illegal everywhere yeah it's super super banned why didn't they just do that on uh, no nose gray skin dude? Like, <laughs> just offer it. Like, that would solve everything, right? Bruh, do not ask me to defend the logical errors in J.K. Rowling's <laughs> work because there are many, and I will not. This this is why you can't have a One Punch Man in a like logical universe because like One Punch Man just just ends it. You know, what he I'm breaks saying? everything. Right. Yeah. yeah, you you can't even say it. You'd have to say that the words are lost. And nobody knows what they are, but everybody calls it Avada Akabra, whatever you're saying. As like just remember, a, a, remember an homage to it, you know. Remember a, a fake sounding abracadabra, and that's that's the spell. Yeah, very reminiscent of 
the childhood spell. But also, how do people say it without killing other people? You know what I'm saying? Like you can't just. Well, I mean, you don't you don't fire spells just by saying them. There's there's a. I know that most spells have like a specific wand movement attributed to them, but I think there's also intent. You can't just. You know, say it and then it happens. Yeah, you have to actually want to do the spell. You know what? Actually, I will say that I th- I think something... The reason that no one ever avoided Voldemort is that he was very good at saying the spell super fast. I'm not joking. He was he was able to get it out. He's, basically, he was like, you know, he was a quick kid. Guy. He was... <laughs> no. He was like the... <laughs> He was like the the lightning fast shooter in the Wild West, but the oh. magical British version of that. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but why didn't he use it on everybody? He like, did. He just he, he used it a couple he, times. He used it a like, lot on everybody. I'm talking about on everybody. Like no, <laughs> well, he he liked. I don't know what his goals were as a villain. Like I don't. He seemed kind of just like a a bad a, a, a cheesy Hitler analog. Like he just hates non magical people and mixed people. Um. He also enjoyed like torturing people and like getting in people's heads and stuff. So he did that a lot. It was like too easy of an option. It seemed like he. he yeah. So could he have gotten out. a megaphone and just said "Avada <laughs> Kakabra and just caught the whole universe? <laughs> not not the universe, but the university or whatever it's called. No, it, it isn't like you hear the words and you die. It's it's a spell. So like it fires. Imagine it's a, a ray gun. It. It's a ray gun that he shoots out of his wand that kills you instantly. So it's still a physical attack. So also, this is kind of a a side note. Can you shoot wizards with like guns? It is somebody just had a pistol. It is not explored. No one ever talks about bringing guns into Hogwarts. Really? They talk as far as I can remember. I'm sure some happy-go-lucky member is going to be like, "Well, actually," but uh, they do talk about how technology doesn't work on school grounds, and I guess around other magical areas. So, like, radios don't work, cell phones don't work. Although this was, like, in the late 80s, I think, the movie, the games are set, or the, the books are set. So I've always wondered about cell- that. You didn't have many cell phones anyway. But, yeah, I don't know why a gun wouldn't work. It's a pretty simple machine. Yeah, it's just mechanical. Mm-hmm. There is magical cool. healing. I think most, like, like, hospitals would be able to deal with a gunshot. Magical hospitals. Unless you got what shot if- in the face. Right. So what if I made magically imbued bullets and then I said Avada Kedabra and then I just shot you with a pistol? That's like, you, could, like the, uh, you know what you could ultimate. do? You could curse the bullets. There are some cursed objects that like if you touch them, you can be killed or like damaged or injured. And even the best medical technology in, in the magical world would not necessarily be guaranteed to save you. So you could curse each bullet. That would probably do a wizard in. In case a speeding hunk of metal isn't enough to do you in, yeah. you could also curse it. That's kind of overkill. It, I mean, hey, we're talking about magical creatures. It would, If for nothing else, it might be good against the magical animals that are, like, oh, hella yeah. dangerous. So could, can you, can they animate, like, like, images or pictures or, like, fictitious people into the world? Is that, like, a, a magical ability? Um... I don't. I never. I don't think that's there's an example of that. Okay. The well, best you could do is that like pictures moved. Pictures were all basically embedded gifs. So any like portrait or 
uh, like a picture in the newspaper would like move like it, it had it had some semblance of personality, which is kind of creepy because it's like, wait, are these are these paintings sentient? Like to what extent? Some of them are, seem do they, like do they, they feel it seemed like they were real people just trapped in a painting. Yeah, because they react re- genuinely to stuff. Yeah. And I think even I don't remember. I think they'd even hold conversations or they'd t- yeah. carry out tasks based on who was talking to them. Like, oh, I thought had... those were just ghosts and stuff like that. Yeah, the, the there's ghosts and there's also painting people that did have some some meager intelligence at least. But then there are like you were talking about in the newspaper, they're like repeating video of someone that isn't yeah. them. So I guess Presumably, you couldn't hold a conversation with the newspaper portrait of somebody. It was only like the fancy paintings in Hogwarts. And in other places that seem to talk to people. But like they could hold secrets and like guard doors and stuff. Right. Mm. Were they trapped in there? Like when when Yugi's grandpa got trapped in a card? (laughs) Yugi! (laughs) Is that Uh, the one that homeboy threw off the ship into the ocean? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) That would have been savage. Say goodbye to your grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) Still could punch punch a child in that scenario no i uh there's a lot of questions like why didn't somebody because in the in the wizarding world male all the, all the male works by owl and the owls seem to be able to find people like wherever they are mm-hmm. and i'm like why didn't someone just owl voldemort a hand grenade <laughs> you know like <laughs> i mean so many things voldemort could, could just do abra- he's quick draw make Abracadabra. <laughs> Abracadabra is the, the owl. The <laughs> just, owl so. it, it just seems like Voldemort's a problem. A sense he of was. disturbance. He really was. That's that is the the point of the books. He was a problem. He so was extremely be... he was extremely manipulative. Like he was very effective as a villain. He just didn't like his motivations didn't make sense as a villain. He didn't carry like everything out. It seemed like he actually what was what was kind of interesting was that. He, uh, when he when he like returns properly in the fourth or fifth book or something, um, he's basically he had waged this huge war in the Wizarding World and was killed, quote unquote, and then comes back. But he's while he's like regaining his power, he's essentially a uh, uh, creating a false news, a fake news like war. And he's convincing people that he's not real. That like, oh, the people who saw me just made it up. Oh. And like the government is like working, not working with him on purpose, but he like manipulates the leaders into being like, oh, he's not real. <laughs> he was and on basically, Twitter. Yeah, it, it's it's very much like a, a fake news information warfare situation. And I was like, this is depressing. <laughs> it's wild. Man. I, f- I feel like there should just be a Voldemort game. Like you just play as him. <laughs> because like, like. Let's be real. How how history works is that history is written by the winners. And mm-hmm. if Voldemort had won the magical battle, mm. it wouldn't be called Harry Potter. It'd be called Voldemort. And we'd be hearing about how Voldemort did an incredible thing to save the nation from yeah, he would half, be a halflings and, or muggles. Or that, muggles, that yeah. Called? Muggles and non-magical people. And it would just be a story of how the true magical state was created and mm. you know. our fearless leader he who shall not be named snap dude 
Um, that would actually be a cool game. It'd be, I think, it would be a game where the quote unquote protagonists are trying to kill you mm-hmm. or they're trying to dethrone you or usurp, you know, usurp you or something. And you have to be clever and use magic in new ways and interesting ways and like, you know, do dark magic and stuff to maneuver around the people who are too good and too principled to do what must be done to take you out. That would be really cool. And without the, like, I think we'd, we'd know we're playing as a villain because of context, but I guess back yes. to the point that Brad made, if, if that game was just made, then you wouldn't really know you were being, the, you were playing as the villain. Well, yeah, I think we would have to be really upfront. Like you are the villain, you are the dark Lord and your goal is to take over the magical world and, uh, you know, stop anyone, how, whatever, to whatever, whatever is necessary, stop anyone who gets in your way. Yeah. Well, this is, this is the way that you can handle it. So me and my brother, I think in the past, we're talking about this idea of a zombie movie or a zombie uh, game where you play as the zombie, but the world to you looks normal, right? And like your motivations and things like that are based off of your survival, right? Like, oh, I need to eat or whatever. So everything around you and your vision is kind of like the humans who are not zombies are the zombies or the evil people or the bad people, you know? Yeah. Okay. And you have to, you know, kill them. So you could make a game where it was like from Voldemort, he doesn't see his actions as evil. He contextualizes everybody else's evil. So even good acts to him are evil, right? So if you could show it from a perspective where it seems like from his perspective, so you he's never heroic. really know that you're evil. Yeah, he's the hero. So everything around him that's against him seems bad. You just have to basically make the player play his warped reality, you know? Because I don't think most people are trying to actually be evil. They're just evil because there's more good people than they than them, if that makes sense. I think that's kind of what true vigilantism kind of is because you you're under this impression that the ends justify the means and so you'll do what it takes to whatever to make sure what you believe in happens so okay. it really wouldn't take a whole lot of work i can get by i can get behind that um i think there's a couple things one you can't use Voldemort for that because Voldemort absolutely knows that he's evil, and <laughs> just enjoys being evil. Mm-hmm. You could, you could just make a new IP, right? And I think the character that you would want to play, you know, to be Voldemort, would be similar to Rorschach from Watchmen, because this is a guy talking about talk about vigilantism. This is someone who has like moral absolutes, complete black and white. And whatever he thinks is right is what goes. And he's willing to maim and kill people that he sees as, you know, being sick or twisted or wrong. He's basically Batman, but with a different set of morals. Batman that will kill. Batman that doesn't mind killing at all, really. So do you think that the Rorschach, like, 
you think a game like you know we've had a batman game we've had superman games like do you think that um the watchman or a rorschach game would be interesting to play this kind of like very uh a moral hero you know like a hero that does whatever needs to be done to accomplish the task that is quote-unquote inevitably good you know i like, think well i'm not saying you do the watchman universe i'm so, i'm still saying the harry potter universe but i guess your question still stands um yeah i don't know i don't know what your goals would be necessarily um because he he was fighting crime and he would just fight crime wherever he saw it but he was so principled you know, spoilers for Watchmen. He was so principled that uh, when somebody fooled the world, right? Basically, he said, "All right, we found a way to create world peace, but it's going to mean that we kill millions of people and then we blame it on aliens." Basically, is what is what they did. Mm. And he was he found out, and he's like, "Well, I can't get behind this. Like, even though this creates world peace, I have to tell people. Like, I'm not. I I can't bring myself to." to break my own convictions and so he was willing to die uh in order to to maintain his own convictions i think that's a character that would absolutely if 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 he was like in voldemort's position i think he could totally uh it would it would make sense like story-wise now we would just have to figure out like what what bothers him about society so much that he's willing to take it over and kill anyone who gets in his way. Yeah. So. I mean, I think I know where I'm, I'm kind of going off into like the game direction. Like I like yeah, the yeah. idea of a Voldemort game in general. Actually, I just personally think that like in any game context, like, or any movie, it's always just based on like who you want to win. It's kind of like watching a sports game. Like, you can always justify it because like even like, you know, let's take uh Snap Hands McGee. Uh, Excuse me. <laughs> um, Come again? Uh, Big Purple Man from uh, the Marvel Universe. Thanos. So you got Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This man said Snap Hands <laughs> McGee. And then he said, you know, the Big Purple Man. <laughs> Barney the Dinosaur? I mean, that's that's normal parlance for how you talk about Thanos. But anywho, you could take him and if you just wrote the story like truly from his perspective and you and you gave one difference. Right. You take his story and you go, he met some type of soothsayer who saw the future, Mm -hmm. who saw that if Thanos didn't do this action, horrible things would happen. Uh murders and killing and death and starvation and you know maybe it's a million years from now 100 million years from now a thousand years from now and he also saw another timeline you know where he's able to see that if he accomplished his goal there would be prosperity and there'd be a golden age for a billion years right so now you contextualize his actions so when he's doing everything he's doing you know that he's truly doing this because he believes that this is the best action for the long term. And then you could put the Avengers in this situation where they seem like they're the evil people who are stopping mm. what would be the best thing. You know, because the Avengers say, I'd rather save 100 people now 
and kill a billion, a hundred million billion people, you know, 50 years from now, you know? I don't know, man. I think you have to be really upfront and just say you are the villain, be evil, because <laughs> people are going to like recognize what's happening. You can't, unless you change the reality or like, you know, what were you saying that like the zombie thinks that these are all, even the zombie, I don't even know how that would work because zombies eat people. So like, how does a person who's a zombie see that I am walking up to a person and like biting his neck? How does how do you explain that in a in a <laughs> without I mean, giving away again, that you're a zombie? Is, this is contextualizing the world. So if somebody sees every human as a giant strawberry, and you may, and you never say to the people, "Oh, they're actually zombies in a zomb in a sure. normal world." Yeah. It's easy to do that, you know. So like, you, okay, you can make everyone look like strawberries, I guess. There's a but the person playing the person playing the game would probably know, like, "Oh, this is not real. I am being fooled." You know what I mean? I, I think I think it would be easier in a game, actually. There's a commercial for Team Fortress 2 that kind of oh, spins pilot. spins this idea. Yeah, because one of the one of the characters is really disturbed. I think it's the flamethrower guy or he has the it's minigun. The pyro. Yeah, the pyro. And so like the whole thing is he's running through a field of like flowers, watering everything, but then it snaps to reality and he's actually just been mutilating people with his weapons and it kind of it, it shows that parallel that yeah inside the mind of whoever is causing this chaos everything's fine so i think you'd really have to push push it like you were saying you know make make whatever you're interacting with the furthest thing from humans and then maybe even this zombie character if you're planning to do like some sort of reveal they'd even have to be different because one of the biggest things you have to overcome is our understanding of those things already as players. You know, and I think that's what also makes playing as a villain, doing villainous things, but we're just supposed to accept it difficult because we have, as players, you can't simply remove that because the game's telling you to. So you have to justify it in some other way. Uh, I mean, I think a game like Destroy All Humans... I mean, it's definitely not the most popular game, but it it seems to get the tone right where it's like, all right, just find creative ways to kill everybody and take advantage of, of the human race. Yeah, and I think, that's, yeah, that's a good point because I think the motives of the character you're playing makes a difference. Like if we want to play a character who, like the alien doesn't necessarily make it, you know, that everything he's doing is positive. Like it's it's for his race and he doesn't care about the humans. So that kind of makes it easier to, to play as a human in in an alien's position. But if you're playing someone who thinks what they're doing is for the better, but it still is villainous, I guess, by nature, then how do you convince them to do it then? My real I mean, interest... I, I, isn't the moral conundrum it re- my real interest would be like the mechanics of the game what does this game look like mechanically like what is well, Voldemort? what do you do when you're playing as Voldemort? well you know you know you could take a game like let's take something like rampage you know it made a theatrical release that was completely ridiculous <laughs> but like like rampage in the whole game you're just a rat uh a croc you know a crocodile turtle or something Werewolf. you know in something uh, in like a, a dog monster. or something. It's a dragon-looking you know, thing. Like you're a mutant, right? 
yeah. a lizard. You're a lizard. And they all got mute, became mutants, escaped from their laboratory. And now they're just trying to, like, they're on a rampage. And they're trying to escape. And, like, and in the game, you're literally climbing up buildings, punching in the windows, eating little people, mm-hmm. stomping on the military. And you don't think anything of it because it's just, like, that's what the game told you to do. So I think, like, in any situation where you're taking, you know, one medium to another, like, say, Voldemort into a gaming setting, you can easily just tell the player to do it. And even if they're aware that it's evil, they'll still do it. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what they're told to do. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe a middle ground would be something like uh, a game about war, right? Like, you, you people in all these shooters indiscriminately kill the enemy so like maybe you make the maybe you make it like a world of warcraft type situation like oh we're fighting orcs and then it's revealed like no they're all just people like everyone's everyone's humans you're just murdering a class of people because you don't like them Mm. yeah i mean uncharted you murder so many humans so many so many you know And, and they could justify and say oh you stop this because um spoiler alert for uncharted games but it's not just a tale about a guy stealing things and trying to make money. There's always some type of mystical element associated to it. Um, or like an Indiana Jones story, right? Like Tomb Raider. Yeah, and there's always like some larger consequence behind what he's doing, even if he's unaware of it. So like you can kind of justify all of his murder at the end. But up to the point that he figures out that there's some great evil or some great thing threat, he's just murdering people. To try to get an artifact, but he's so to... charming and handsome. <laughs> exactly, and and I don't think you could do that in a in a movie. So I think like when a, a movie or a TV show lending it to a a video game, you can kind of take a lot of liberties on the you know the role that people play because there's kind of a disassociation when you play a game. You know, you kind of just accept the rules of the world, but when you watch a movie, you more or less like imbue your moral compass on the characters in that movie if especially if it's like a real world setting you know and 90 percent of movies are real people so you know what i'm saying i would say that even in a lot of movies like the transformer movies the avengers movies there's a lot of like off-screen casualties that we've kind of become desensitized to so I think in a lot of ways, the Nathan Drake phenomenon, where he's just mowing down dudes who are just working a day job at security to a dig site, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand, I guess, with the things that we kind of decide to overlook, I guess, like the moment to moment stuff, like that loop, I guess it kind of satisfies the intensity that we're looking for in that moment, I guess. Like so, for a game setting to be shooting these guys, it's it's super involved, and it, you feel like you're actually making progress every time you outsmart this guy and sneak up on him. And it's just like we were watching the Avengers do that. Like, oh, he, Hulk crashed the the monster through a building that people work in. And that was an office building, so there's obviously people in there, but it wasn't that cool. And mm-hmm. so it's just you know all these disconnected type of deaths. Better. Can I just say how much I appreciate how in in Marvel's Spider-Man in the game, every time you kick somebody off a rooftop, Spider-Man will like hit him with this, basically uh, 
get him with some webbing and just let him slide down the edge of the building and be hanging there. So you never actually let anyone plummet to his death. It was a great touch. That was a nice touch. Oh, really? I never noticed that. It just looked like those people. I would just swing and kick them and they like, they're dead. Like, yeah, man. there's like a, it's like a, I mean, they didn't put a lot of effort into it. But yeah, there's, if you watch them, it shows like webbing reaching out to them and letting them come back towards the uh, the skyscraper wall or whatever. Which, in fairness, a lot of these impacts probably still would kill people. But at least they can argue no one actually fell off a roof. Cinder blocks and pallets to the head. Yeah, the manhole cover just you know was oh, a yeah. light concussion. Eviscerate people. Yeah, I gotta I gotta go back and look at that. I didn't I didn't notice that at all. It's a really cool detail because um, people were making montages of when it messes up and people do fall all the way to the ground, but it's usually pretty spot on. It, it, contextually, it doesn't wow. make a whole lot of sense because yeah, you just kicked the guy. You didn't attach. One of the web bombs to him because it looks very similar to when you use the uh, what's it's, it's the gadget that you'd actually use to s- snag people and the trip the web trip mine or something like that. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, in my head, Canon, it's basically like uh, like Violet from Arcane when she's just attaching little bombs to people and you're like, what? When did she do that? You know, mm. like in a punch and then there's like four bombs on you. It's like what? That's what he's doing every single time he hits somebody. Uh, that's interesting. So I, I'm I, I'm gonna forget a thought. So I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly change from Spider Man for a second. But um, so we're all aware of The Witcher, right? And mm-hmm. the who? Exactly. <laughs> and um, and as you probably know, The Witcher is based on a set of like books and like mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of like I don't want to say mythology, but like an understanding from some it's 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 comes from a different medium you know a connected universe of books yeah you know so like the witcher is not a game just somebody came up with on their head their own it's bringing in that kind of content and i think that like the witcher is the perfect example of taking um some other medium and turning into a game because i really love the witcher show and now playing the game witcher 3 in particular i realized that like as great as the show can is the game like is i'm not gonna say infinitely better but like has a much better capability of being better because you engage as much as you'd like to with the story in the world Mm. you know because you don't have to do a thing or you can do a thing right but in a tv show they have a hey i have an hour for an episode we can only do 12 episodes in the season the intention span of the audience you gotta tell to one story one story this is going to happen and and you know like the witcher kills it i mean you, we've probably all heard it like the, it kills it with the side story i mean honestly every single side story not every majority of, any side story that actually has like more than one step is like legitimately engaging like i recently like i was just thinking about this like how, this the Video games is a perfect medium for taking something from a book because there is like this one circumstance where I go somewhere, I, I hear a noise, like in the distance, and it and it's just a mission that says you hear like what sounds like singing from like a really deep voice, and your curiosity tells you as a witcher to go investigate. 
Mm. Nothing more than that. So I go to investigate and there's like, you just hear some like really deep voice, kind of monster kind of sounding thing singing uh, what would sound like a military ballad. Like, cool. and you're like, what? Like in, in the context of this game, there's a giant war going on and it's all this stuff. But you're like, I've been playing this game long enough to know that that sounds like a, a monster. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Huh. Like a monster who can speak. So you kind of go investigate and you pretty much guess, figure out it's a monster. I'm not going to tell you what happens in the, the story because it's a really kind of cool interaction. But like what was really interesting to me was that number one, there's like branching paths on how you deal with the scenario and also like how they made this really random semi encounter like genuinely interesting and like you are engaged with it you're having this conversation you're trying to figure out what's going on it's really cool you're like trying to figure out like okay is this good is this bad is this should i do something should i not do something what's happening and like i chose a certain set of choices and when i stepped away from it i was like i want to know more about what just happened here Mm. you know like, I want to know why this happened, what brought all this event together, because you get a little bit of background, but you don't know what, like, where did this person, creature, monster, whatever, come from? And, like, why is it, like, singing a ballad, and why are people interacting with it in the way that it is being interacted That's with? That's really cool. But, like, so- I don't think you could do that in a, a movie, you know? I think you could do it in a book, but it's still, I just don't think it would convey as well. It wouldn't feel as immersive. It was so well done. And it's like, that's one small segment of things. Like, So that's getting cool. to those questions was the interesting part or finding out answers afterwards? Or I guess both. I would say a mix of it all. First was the mystery of like what is going on. Then like encountering the scenario and then like talking to this thing and figuring out what's going on, hearing about the story and the circumstances. And then having to make a decision that would fundamentally you have to act on in some capacity. If you make one choice, something's going to happen. If you make another choice, something else is going to happen. Oh, that's really you know? good. Yeah. And my <laughs> choice, I feel good about, but I think a lot about that other choice. Like, man, <laughs> what if I decided to do this? Like, would, you know, like, it, it was a really cool thing. And I just don't think that you could take a book into a, a movie and get, you would never get a moment like that, you know? But I think something like, a book into a video game world, I feel like you can expand a, a book even more mm-hmm. in a video game world, you know? Because if so you want to skip it, you can skip it, you know? So you're suggesting that these really dense, maybe magical, or let's just say fantastical worlds from books especially would be better, it would be well served as video games. Yeah, and I, I think the same for movies as well. I think a movie, like for example... I think a movie like um, Interstellar, you could probably make an interesting game in it if you just based it in the world of Interstellar before the moments that made Interstellar, you know, like because Interstellar is kind of the end of the story, but there's like a whole series of events that led up to Interstellar, you know, and I think that's where you can really have a lot of fun trying new things. Maybe you mess with time a little bit. Maybe you introduce new technology you know what i'm saying like i feel like there's so much you can do in a have game have you seen interstellar yeah okay i just, I just never would have expected that well uh, I, I i just literally chose something where i think like 
you can you can use a world and you can make it so much more dense, even though you're only seeing in a movie like a sliver. But the movie is really like to me, Interstellar sets a very cool, interesting world up, a really cool, interesting universe. And I just imagine what would it be like to be a person in Interstellar who isn't, you know, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Like, just somebody who can travel throughout space. And what if there was another mission that was sent out that we were unaware of that happened? And their interactions with the universe and dealing with physics and maybe they interacted with what, you know, Matthew McConaughey ends up interacting with, you know, but in a different capacity, you know. So what about the uh, inheritance world? I think that would be incredible. The what world? Uh, Aragon. Those those books, the inheritance cycle. Oh, absolutely. yeah! I've actually never Aragon. seen any, read or seen a movie. For a long time, that was um, well. The movie doesn't exist. Uh, for that's basically one of my favorite fantasy worlds. That's my favorite magic system. I have been told that certain other books by a certain other author have an even greater and more incredible magic system, and you know. A fantastical world to live in but i have not read them so i will not say mm. but uh but yeah it's it's this i mean it's just a fantasy world you know it has lots of lots of history tons of lore it has a magical system that basically the basically the way magic works is that um there is a language that was that was cursed or you know whatever jinxed or something basically it's a language that has magic imbued in it so when you're speaking the language it's impossible to lie because you can only say i mean it's only you're only able to say things that are true and when you're speaking the language if you have the intent to do so you can imbue your words with magic and make them happen make them true Mm. and so the one of the cool things about the books was that the more of that language that you knew and the and the more clever you were uh the more you could do with magic there really was there were not really any strong limits you couldn't you couldn't scry dreams or memories and you couldn't bring back the dead and other than that i couldn't i can't think of any things that was like oh you can't do this like if you had the energy to supply the spell you could do almost anything you can't make someone fall in love with you. That's always one of them. Uh, so basically, you're a genie. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> well, I think you. I mean, I think technically you could make someone fall in love with you. Oh, genie's out there. But it wouldn't just be a simple spell. It'd be. I mean, there's a there's a, mo- a point in the book where this guy uh, who doesn't he's just learning magic, and someone asks him to bless their baby. And so he comes up, he's like, oh, uh, I, I don't know what to do. And so he just, off the, top of his, off the top of his head, I can't <laughs> believe you just said that. Um, he basically gives, her, he blesses the child and he's like, you know, maybe shielded from all of life's worries and all this other stuff. But then he finds out later that he like mispronounced something. And so the bless, the blessing was actually, may you be a shield to all the, to all the things around you. And basically this little girl was cursed and she grew up like really fast and she had the ability and the curse to know when people were about to be in pain and she was like obligated to stop their pain. What? And uh yeah, she he he messed up. He messed up really badly. 
And so he, he in, you know, completely altered her entire fate and her life and oh, like the man. way that her body works with just one mispronunciation. Man, so that yeah, is a I'm, lot of power. I mean, it sounds almost like a monkey's paw or a genie where you don't understand the, like you can make a wish, but the, the unintended consequences of, I wish that nobody would ever be in pain again. Kill everybody. You know, like right, that's man. like the. You know, I and, mean, and, and I get, I get it what can be that way, but you just have to be careful. But you, yeah, say. And, I, and I get that you're saying like, hey, like you have to say it in a certain way, and he made a mistake. But I think it's fundamentally, you know, like, oh, you got to be careful with your words and how yeah. you say it because you don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't, I wonder. I mean, in your mind, how does that play out in a video game scenario? Because to me, like that seems like the most difficult thing you could possibly do in a game, because like the reason that that book series seems really interesting is because of how um almost like limitless possibilities you know like the yeah. words what you would say in your words and da 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 but like fundamentally in the game you're going to be kind of like limited by how much the developer decides so to I put th- in you know so i think how this would work is you would have to i mean obviously you would need a strong engine but i think the game the gameplay would be like your goal you know, you have some some quest that you're on, right? Slay the evil king, which was the goal from the story. Um, but what you do is similar to like Skyrim. As you play, you find words, you know, and maybe there's different missions and different tasks that you can go on to, to learn new words. And in out of, out of battle, you would create your own spells, right? You would you can basically create an unlimited number of spells. And you have to phrase them yourself, and the spell will act in a certain way depending on on the words that you use and how you put them together. This and so the cre- the the puzzle it's, oh. it's kind of like a puzzle, right? You'll get to an enemy, and it's like, oh, I can't kill them this way. I have to find the weakness, and I have to find the words. Maybe I don't have the words yet that are necessary, or maybe I can like I don't have the right words, but I can kind of finagle uh, a solution with different words. So, so Kyle, you're about to say something, and I want to say that I think I know what you're about to say and what game you're going to reference before you even say it. But go Probably. ahead. Yeah, it's, I'm saying that this whole like the scenario of needing words to you know, fulfill certain objectives is reminding me of Scribblenauts. Yeah, exactly. There it is. There it is. Yeah. It, if, the, added, the added complication from Scribblenauts would be that instead of us having like one word or two words, it would be like a sentence or a, a fragment of a sentence, you know? Which is kind of where Scribblenauts was headed because it started off super simple, right? You could only put in objects, but the latest iterations had adjectives and you could stack adjectives. And so it got really cool. complex really quickly. Yeah, and you so could say could... like the hairy door, mm-hmm. right? And the door would be hairy and then it would have like physics based on hair and like the the fiery hairy door. like, And that would be different, you know? And then you could have these crazy, like you said, stackings. And they added attributes like flying and alive. And yeah, you can make it out of steel. It's where you could unbreakable all these different. And so it, it, in, in, a, in a game where you were making spells, I think that that'd be probably pretty close to what you'd need. Like if the language is based on what you can think of. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be 
immensely difficult to happen but it you know i'm gonna say this because i was thinking about it as just even thinking about the witcher um aragorn and i I have some other like pieces of media that i definitely would like to see in a game but i think this the thing that i always think about when converting like another medium like uh to video games is that you have to be very very careful because and, and it takes just a lot of effort like you like there's number one an existing fan base that has certain expectations mm-hmm. and they want to experience it in a certain way but also if you want to do it right like especially a game a movie i'm sorry a movie or a book with a very very like deep backstory in a a very fleshed out world it is like your job as a game developer to make sure that's translated in a like meaningful way throughout the game so to me the witcher they've done an incredible job but i just think about the immense effort the immense effort it probably took to create that game (laughs) you know like there's just so much like the missions of course the world it already has an existing world with existing names of cities where they're located north south east west and you have to so match you know you have to match (laughs) all that up but also you need to make like actually interesting level design yeah in this open world and then you have to fill that world with interest interesting interactions that are based off of the actual medium and the monsters and the characters and you know what i'm saying like it's just so intense and I just feel like taking the undertaking of taking some very well, you know, made media, uh, like, like book yeah, or whatever. Intellectual is, property. Is, it has to be in a, an immense undertaking that, like, I'm not surprised that you don't see a lot of games, like, go full out. Like, a lot of the Harry Potter games are, like, very, like, simple. Like, yeah, you're going to play a little game and you're going to do this. And, and they might have some interesting stuff. But they kind of go, uh, we're not going to try too hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There Which, is. I mean, as a kid, that's enough. I loved the Chamber of Secrets when I was a kid. There Wait, actually I is. That? I have one of those games. Yeah. A new, uh, there's a new Harry Potter game in development, actually. Yeah. I meant looks to, insane. I meant to bring this up when you mentioned earlier, Steve, or was it you, Brad, that um, about how games can, or they can make a game that happens before the events of what's familiar like in the movie or the book or something and that's actually the approach they're taking with this game is like you don't see any of the familiar faces at least the students i I have to go watch it again to see if any of the professors are there i think it's supposed to be like hundreds of years before the books so hopefully no familiar faces except the ghosts the ghosts are there yeah yeah and so they've they've really changed the formula i mean everybody makes the jokes when games like this that have kind of a gritty tone to them that it's you know dark souls adjacent and stuff like that but i mean it does have the dodge roll in there and you're you're actually casting spells at people and the combat Mm -hmm. actually looks pretty decent not gonna lie um and so i think i think people are starting to dive into this idea of if we do go far in the past or far in the future then they can take more liberties and i'm not going to go into this one but the the latest pokemon game kind of did that too where it's, it's set really far in the past, I think. It's hard. To... <laughs> it's unclear. <laughs> it, it is unclear. But they. Well, I thought it was supposed to be like, yes, this is the past. What 
Is it not? Is it? Is it? Sketchy? Are you talking about Arceus? Arceus. Yeah. It, it, so what's got me confused is so it, it seems like it's the past, but the character you play as is seems to be from the present, and so yes. I can't tell if it's an alternate dimension or if it's actually you were actually sent to the past. Oh, I guess it could be either one, huh? Like either way, they have primitive technologies and stuff. And are just discovering Pokemon. So, Oh, is that why everything is out in the wild like that? And mm-hmm. right yeah, and so it's it's supposed to be that they're doing things in the old way, but it's unclear as, as to why. See, see, it's interesting because, like, to me, I feel like that's, like, the perfect example where it's, like, I feel like that's a super cool premise. You know, like, oh, we're going to go in the past, right? Like, even, you know, you talk about Harry Potter and and like, let's just read like we can do whatever we want, have some fun, not worry too much about it and like make. But we have a great world to work with. And then, like, I feel like Nintendo is always like, we can't make it too deep. We can't make it too serious, you know, Mm. and they always pull back a little bit. And I feel Mm -hmm. like, man, just imagine if you really made a really deep interesting like game about the world of pokemon you know and like oh you know i was gonna say don't they do that in zelda but you're talking about pokemon yeah you're right <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and i would even say in zelda games i think sometimes they pull back a little bit like they make really cool decisions but i've seen like when it comes toward the end of the game i'm like okay they're, it, it, this is the nintendo treatment like they're gonna be a little bit like it's dark and it's gritty but it it could go deeper. It could go more, you know? Sure. That's fair. I think in some ways they kind of uh, pull back in the way that they have some sort of plot device that allows them to use technology in some way. Like whatever the Sheikah Slate equivalent is in a particular yeah. game, there's always one of those so they can move things along in a more seamless way. But it just, I don't know, I wouldn't even call it seamless. Because, yeah, the Sheikah Slate, and then I guess in the last few Pokemon games, they had the the tablet creature, you know, the Pokedex. That, it used to be the Pokedex. Yeah. You know, I guess that's fair. There's always been a Pokedex. There's always been some sort of PDA-type device that served as the UI. I guess I'm just mad they made it into a literal Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. I forget um, the name of that thing. R- Rolts? No, not Rolts. What is it? I don't know. Uh, Le- Leroy. Yeah, yeah. Leroy. Oh, okay. That's Leroy, the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, Leroy is how they said it in the game. But I do think it's pretty lame that they have PDAs and Pokeballs in the past. Yeah. I mean, the Pokemon world is super advanced, right? Like, you can store a physical thing in a computer. So I feel like even if you go back in the past, it's going to be significantly more advanced than anything we could consider, right? So to me, that makes sense. They need to go farther back. I mean, I would love, I would love them to go so far back before Pokeballs, before like any of this. So like, literally, you probably only had like three or four Pokemon that you could run with because they were always running with you physically, mm-hmm. and like, like seeing like, let's go medieval times, you know? Oh, there actually Pokemon. is one. I want to see, I want to see a Pokemon game where you go to a new area and you like, quote unquote 
you know, catch or train new Pokemon. And they just, they just live in that area. They don't come with you because you already have a full party, you know, and when you go back, they're there and they're waiting for you. And like, you can keep training, you know, basically like Ash and Charizard. Mm. That'd be cool. There is a, uh, they're doing something similar to that in Arceus, where it's like a, it's kind of like the daycare thing, but it also serves as where you're storing your Pokemon. But it's it's in the town, so it doesn't quite like they're not on the route. Which I so think. they do that instead of a uh, the box, the Pokemon box. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, I can get, I can get behind that. So if if you if you put your Pokemon in this ranch place, you have to physically go back there to get the Pokemon. So far, yes, they will teleport to you. Yeah, and you can have multiples in there, and they've even gone so far as to if you have. Like every Pokemon you have is is physically represented in there. Like you can see them in the overworld, which is kind of nice. Cool. So, like this reminds me of one of my favorite franchises that I feel like has done a really good job of coming from movies, which eventually became books, to video games, which is Star Wars. Mm. Um, I've really <laughs> enjoyed multiple Star Wars iterations. Um. And, and once again, it's contextualized to when you play it, because if you play it now, some of the games are like, oh, this is garbage or this is weird. Like the first one that I really, really enjoyed is uh, the one with Dash Rendar, um, the Empire, the Dark Empire. It's on the 64. I'm forgetting what it's called. But you're basically a bounty hunter who has no Star Wars, no like force abilities. And you're just going around and you shoot and you um, can maybe get a little jet pack. You know, I th- I don't even think you get a lightsaber, you know, but it's like you're playing a completely different story, but it's in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. I think you fight like um, the robot, that robot that was in um, the Mandalorian, um, the the tall, skinny one who was, you know, uh, a like beast, a beast. I can't remember. Uh, R2, D1, A, I, E. If you're a Star Wars fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But um, <laughs> so you fight them and him. And it's like all these really cool instances, like you fight a Boba Fett character who is super hard to fight, and you run into the big um, Yeti-type creatures um, from the, uh, I think the, whatever movie that was. So it's like, there's really, it's really, really fun. And then it's like one of my favorite games, it was like a sandbox almost, like of physics at least, was um, the Force... Unleashed, I think mm-hmm. it was called. Force, yeah, the force, unle- the force unleashed, the force push. Is <laughs> this get? Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, because to me, like, it was the story of you know Darth Vader's secret apprentice, right? Yeah. So, and it's kind of been retconned out of the universe and retconned back in. Like, it's weird how they've done that, but it was just really fun to just like see like how like there's this secret player behind the scene that affected all these moments. Like, oh. You know, like you got kind of get to think about it as like, wow, you know, it it, it has a real strong tie in to the actual movies. Mm-hmm. But it was just fun. Like you got to be a, a lightsaber wielding gangster, you know, and you're fighting stormtroopers at one point. That's all you I are, want. You're starting Wookiees. You're fighting Wookiees at one point um, in the very beginning of the game. It's like as when you get to play with Darth Vader, it's like the best. It's it's the very first sequence in the game. It is super. You were just super overpowered. It feels so it, powerful. It feels so crazy. They did such a good job, and then and then you have that feeling of starting from nothing, <laughs> but knowing what you could be mm-hmm. is super cool. So I, I feel like Star Wars has done 
there's some not so great Star Wars games. Oh, I like the Bounty Hunter game where you play as like a, I think you play as Boba Fett or, but uh, what's Boba Fett and Django? Django Fett? I think you might play as Django. I can't remember which one, but it's super fun. You're just a bounty hunter with a jetpack. It was super fun. I lo- I loved it. It was on the GameCube. So I don't know. I've liked a lot guys, of Star Wars games. Have you guys been paying attention to the Lego Star Wars saga that came out? I've been hearing a lot about it. Apparently, it's like pretty bomb. Yeah, it's a because I was I was confused at first because they've released multiple collections of the Lego Star Wars games, but supposedly this is a completely new. It's a new game that yeah. spans all nine movies. Because they've already and apparently they're going to have DLC for like Rogue One. Really? Yeah, that's I, something I heard. Yeah, probably yeah, I think like we talked about too. Yeah, I think we talked about this in an episode or two ago, like about how the breadth of it and how much people have loved it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those, you know, and, and I think that's where Star Wars is a strong, I think it has such a strong universe. Mm-hmm. Like it just works so well in games. There was one game called Project like 58 or something that they previewed at an E3 one time that looked so crazy. It was supposed to be so crazy, but they canceled it. Because I think there was some like weird falling out between Lucas something, and I can't remember what caused it. But they're making a new Star Wars game, I've heard, uh, and it's supposed mm. to kind of be in the same ilk of that. So I'm kind of like, I can't nice. wait to hear more about that. You know, I feel like we should talk about properties that don't already have game renditions. We've <laughs> we, we've gotten a little stuck. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys? I have a few. What do you guys have? Go ahead. Yeah, what you got, Brett? I feel like I've been I've been saying a lot of, of different ones, but um, one that I would love to be to do. And I'm a sci-fi fan. Um, I love really cool worlds, as you guys can probably figure that out. I love really deep, interesting worlds, and I would love to see a game for my show that I could never find on Blu-ray that is not bootleg. <laughs> Ghost in the Ooh, Shell. Ghost yeah. in the Shell. I, I would love to see because uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, D- D- Deus Mox- Deus X. Deus X. Mm-hmm. It's probably like maybe the closest to that vibe. I haven't played it, but I've seen a lot about it, and I'm like, wow, this kind of feels like this idea of like, yeah, to be what you know, like, what does it mean to be human? Kind of sorta in this bionic android type world, but I think that like. This idea of using Ghost in the Shell and you basically being able to recreate yourself completely or like you don't even have to be like in the like the special forces unit or whatever that, you know, the main characters are in. But just like being in this world and dealing with the different antagonists and protagonists that exist in the world, like maybe not even being in Japan, per se, you could be in Brazil or the u.s or something like maybe you're somebody who travels to different places like mm-hmm. i just think that there's so much cool sci-fi that they created in that world I, I don't know exactly what they would do for the gameplay i mean it would make sense to make it an action kind of adventure game in the ilk of like horizon zero dawn ish or you know something with that kind of feel um gameplay wise or spider-man you know not that, that JR, an rpg yeah like an action rpg and I think it would be super fun. Uh, so, yeah, that's to me, I feel like that'd be like a killer game. I think you are not to take the steam out of your sails, but 
I feel like Cyberpunk 2077 probably stole. I was thinking that probably too, already ate yeah. that lunch. You know, like a lot of the themes and even kind of the settings and and the the atmosphere and tone of Ghost in the Shell, I think, is present in what I have seen of Cyberpunk 2077. Like I could very easily, if I kind of just squint my eyes a bit, and someone told me <laughs> this is set in Tokyo and in the in the, the Ghost in the Shell universe, I would believe it. Sounds like it'd be yeah. like Cyberpunk 2077's, like all the 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 systems they have in there with Near Automata's gameplay. Oh, or is it Near Automata? How how do you say that? I don't know. I can't correct you here. Darn, I, I can't help you. I couldn't tell you. I think both are correct. I, I mean, say autumn. I think I say automata. Automata. I mean, to me, <laughs> I don't. To me, it doesn't make a difference that there's a uh, a Forza and there's a Gran Turismo. They're both great car sims. Car sims. Sure, sims, sure. Right. I'm not saying no and, one will make. No and one I don't think. I think that Cyberpunk 2077 or 2077. I you know it's clearly done better <laughs> over time, right? And now it's the game that it probably should have been. But I think that something okay. that Ghost in the Shell has is just that deep, 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 deep like philosophy like mm, something that something very deep in it and if they built it in the way that the witcher is built i feel like it would be like next level you mean like the standalone complex philosophy and all that stuff yeah just just the yeah uh, a lot of the questions that are asked in it and a lot of the that things. does make it stand out dang now i want somebody to mod 2077 with the assets from with more assets from Ghost in the Shell, and then like maybe make a plot, you know, like a side quest where you are trying to, you know, find the Laughing Man or something. That would be so cool. That would be dope. I feel like it would work. I feel like it would work just like a mo- like just a simple mod. Yeah, I mean, I think the, it'll never be made because I think it's just too difficult. But yeah. I mean, I'd love to see Tashkomos. I'd love to see all of that. So. Oh man, yes, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Um, I, I've been trying to think about not just like cool worlds, but I really, because I feel like cool worlds will all make the same game, which is basically, you know, an action RPG. I've been trying to think about like what properties would lead to interesting mechanics. Mm. I'm having a I, hard time. I, I got one, but um, Tenet. But it's not your t- Imagine Ooh. Tenet as a game. Bro. That would, that would be, be completely bonkers. bonkers. Oh my god! Trying to reverse physics. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You would have to have a very specific plot. It would probably mostly be a spectacle. I don't know if you could get away with like making the actual physics work like that. I mean, or- if if you if you created, I mean, let's imagine that the the game, the plot, and the story all made sense, right? Like they made it. But you had okay. those segments where you were in, in react, like real time flow, forward time, and then there is sections where you're in backwards time, and it's just the rev- inverse of you know you know how crazy that would be. I, I definitely think it's possible to like make a simulation to be able to like play the game mm-hmm. as in that backwards world, that reversed world. But it would the mechanics would be so wild, like so so wild. Yeah. Would something like 
I haven't I haven't seen Tenet, but just from a little I Bro, know. Bro, what? Would something ah! like <laughs> Sorry. That's a really good movie. Go on, please. Would Even if you've like seen control... Tenet, you haven't seen Tenet. You wouldn't understand it. Would something like control be a, a like a foundation of what you could build a game about Tenet be about? Control. Yeah. That game with the uh like the, the bureau that I don't think so. No. Okay. I think I mean one of the one of the if you haven't seen Tenet, it's hard to explain, but mm-hmm. they basically go all in on the idea that people can basically reverse themselves so that they re- so they travel backwards through time. And the way that they interact with people moving forward through time is is exactly what you would expect up to a point, I guess. Uh, so, like, bullets will fly backwards and, you know, stuff like that. They, they walk backwards. Well, to them, they're walking forwards, but they see us walking backwards. We see them walk. You know, it's just, there's all sorts of little details. Okay. Uh, some of it is just window dressing. Like, you could just have people walk backwards. But some of the stuff would be really weird. Like, if you shoot somebody, you have to make that work in both directions. You know, like, it's it's really complex. Mm. E- even stuff is stuff that you would just take for granted, like breathing. They 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 take that into account too, like yeah. you can't really breathe in reverse <laughs> if that makes sense in in a world where time is going backwards. Yeah, yeah you have to bring your you have to bring your air supply with you. Wow. Um, but again, that's window dressing. Like you can you don't really have to. That's not like a mechanic. You have to figure out yeah. something. Like there's a scene. Well, I won't say too much. Um, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil anything. But. There's all sorts of ways that you can imagine, like paradoxes and stuff, that <laughs> you would have to figure out something. I'll watch it. What uh, what platform is it on? I have no idea. If it's available on streaming, no clue. It's you probably might have to on just Prime. buy it on Blu on Blu-ray. Oh yeah, maybe it's on Prime. I find it on YouTube. I mean, you're definitely <laughs> not gonna find it for free. Yeah. Oh well. People people might not love it as much as I do. I thought it was great. Oh, I mean, I think, I mean, Christopher Nolan has been building, like, I, I say this all the time, like, him in time has been something that he's been trying, like, he has an idea that he's, like, been building from the very beginning from Memento, like, all the way through, you know, all his movies that yeah. he makes himself that are not, like, the Batman movies, <laughs> like, yeah. have some, like, element of time, mm-hmm. you know, um, that, of course, Inception interstellar and now tenant and he just keeps getting more it's like he understands the rules a little bit more every time and he does something a little bit more crazy Inception <laughs> you know? was great yeah so so this movie tenant is just like you watch the movie and you like understand what's happening but you kind of don't at the same time <laughs> and you're kind of like this was this is like it's like one of those movies like steve said you can't really explain it to somebody so it's a trip it's yeah, it's a trip. It's an experience. Um, I definitely suggest watching it with subtitles because if if there's one flaw, it's that the he mixing. mixed the audio really poorly, and you can barely hear people sometimes. That is yeah, very yeah. strange. That was definitely uh, something that a lot of people because I, the reason why I didn't watch the movie, one thing I didn't know where it was, but also people were very torn on it, so it didn't seem like something no. that was garnering a lot of positive attention necessarily. So I it just came and went for me yeah don't listen to those people but that makes me think of a new another game similar uh primer 
Have you guys seen Primer, the movie? Mm-mm. Uh, I've seen so many sci-fi movies, bro. It's hard, especially if it's time-based. It's hard for me it's to a, remember. It's a time travel movie. It's So the concept is it's these two guys. They're basically just like garage engineers, and they're trying... I forget what they were trying to make, but they accidentally create a time machine. And the way the machine works is it's essentially a box. And when you switch it on and the, imagine the point in time where you switch it on and the point in time when you switch it off. So those two points in time, you can travel between them by getting in the box. Oh. So if you, if you switch it on and then you set like a three hour timer and you wait three hours and right as it's turning off you get in the box and then you wait three hours inside the box when you get out again you'll be back you'll be three hours in the past yes i have seen primer (laughs) yeah and so the movie played a lot it was basically just two guys who accidentally stumbled on this this technology and it's it's all about like what they do with it you know just two random not so not doing so well guys and all the weird paradoxes and time loops and crap that they they get involved in because this is a very it's a it's a, it's a time travel mechanic that lends itself easily to paradoxes. Um, like at one point they get like attacked by like the the wife's father, and then he dies, and they realize that he came from the machine. Like he came from the machine, but they're like, wh- what? happened like, like, they, it's just impossible for them to know what happened like what happened to him where did he when what time you know stream did he come from and it seems i think the conclusion they come to is that he came from a closed loop that's like cut off from the rest of the universe like we'll never know <laughs> what led to that loop um oh, wow so a game that was based on that would be crazy but how would- it doesn't re- it doesn't involve it doesn't involve like backwards time, so you wouldn't really necessarily need to have, uh, you know, like tenant levels of like physics manipulation. But yeah, I mean, what's I mean, this is I'm being a devil's advocate, but like the time, the time jump games. Like, uh, have you you've played Prince of Persia: Sands of mm. Time? Yeah, like you can rewind a little bit. I think the novelty in that is that you can only rewind some very limited piece right of time like how long your time meter your sand meter is right so like 10 seconds 15 seconds three seconds um but like wouldn't basically any time travel game game essentially just be like reloading a save (laughs) like like how would you make that mechanic interesting like like would it be that like in a game where you have ghosts of yourself doing something and then you do it behind them that's that's the that's where the that's where everything was that braid complex is like that, that the people when you went to the past you still existed in the past so like you had to avoid you know yourself and avoid people who might see you in two places yeah i don't know the issue with the game that as i see it is i don't know what the goal would be like what do you what is like what's the gamification what is the goal um but yeah it's it wouldn't be as simple just like reloading a save it would be essentially copying yourself at least until your past self gets in the machine because then the past self goes to the past the double past yeah that it's funny you mentioned the sands of time mechanic because that's actually shown up in racing games too where if you if you completely just botch a turn you can rewind if you're in single player 
It really? will rewind a couple seconds Bro, and make the turn again. Let me let me tell you, I know exactly why where that came from. It came, Forza started it. Mm. Like, because if you've never played Forza, you don't understand how horrible a simple mistake oh, can yeah. ruin cost you the 15, whole race. Fifteen laps and each lap takes two minutes. <laughs> like the long endurance races, which are real things in the real racing world. I think the last time I played Forza uh, on the 360, and I loved Forza, Forza 2, was because of an endurance race. I was racing, and I was like, there's like 50 laps, and I was like on lap like 45 or something, 43. And I had been racing literally for like 45 minutes, maybe longer. And I was like just keeping every turn, hitting every angle, doing everything I needed to do. And I was in the front, but it's still difficult. Like you can't. You know, you just got to stay. And I messed up once. I hit my tire, hit the grass, and I spun out. Yep. And it was over. And it was, like, real re- realistic damage. So I, like, spun out, and I hit a wall, and it, like, ruined my my tire, my front rim or something. Yeah. And that was the last time I played it. So I feel like <laughs> <laughs> that rewind mechanic, I, I remember when they dropped it the next year or the year, next, whatever, and they said, we're now putting in rewind. I was like, that's it? <laughs> the damage was yeah. already done though I'm not gonna lie man your description of Forza made me just cement in my mind how boring this game sounds it, well I mean it's a it's an accurate driving sim so unless you're really yeah. into cars and races it's it's not gonna do anything um, extravagant I mean you can drive a car you'll never get to drive in real life but that's about the extent yeah I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. Some people I, love that stuff. I just don't care. I never had played a racing sim game until Forza 2. And I don't even know why I got it. Because I never thought it was interesting. And I think what pulled me into Forza 2 was that, first of all, the races are never that long. Unless you do the endurance races. They're normally like three minutes to five minutes. But I think what it is is that if you like high skill, like, it's basically the Dark Souls of racing <laughs> please, games. Please. You know. He um, said it. He said the I mean, I, I mean, I'm being super serious. It, Have you might, ever played Mario Kart? It's it's basically the Dark Souls <laughs> version of Mario Kart. And this man's never seen a blue shell in his life. <laughs> never, obviously. Like it's it's very much like very realistic. But the most interesting and fun part is the different cars and how like like when you play like Need for Speed or something or some other racing game, like the cars essentially feel the same. They're just like maybe faster or slower or easier to handle, like. When I say like driving a Ford, you know, whatever, no, let, let's say a Mustang mm-hmm. and then driving an F1 car is like a completely different game. Yeah. Like it is okay. so fun as you make your way up and you start with like a literally a, a VW a bug. Yeah, hoopty. And you start to like upgrade a little bit, change out the suspension, change out the body a little bit. And then you get that new car and that car like, ooh, the acceleration it's top speed is there. like it's so fun. It's like it's so so fun. I think the endurance races is not like something I would encourage anybody to do. <laughs> but um the progression is super duper fun. Matter of fact, you just made me want to go back and play it. Um wow. It's it's it is it, it, I used to play it all the time. It was so fun. It was so I've bought it twice cuz I destroyed the first disc. That's a whole nother story. But like it's <laughs> it's a really fun game. I think you'd like it more than you think if you're into You may be right. You may be right. I mean, they're fun games, but... With adaptive triggers, Ooh. or with, with analog triggers, at least, I'm sure it's more fun, And too. gyro. 
and gyro. gyro. <laughs> you know you want them gyro. Use the Wii steering wheel on Forza. I mean, actually, yeah, gyro steering. That's not a bad idea. It, it would be terrible. I mean, one thing because <laughs> a lot, a lot of the game is about like how you pull the trigger. Like you said, the adaptive triggers would really be helpful because of how like like one thing that how I much lo- juice you give it, huh? How much juice you give it? Yeah, one of the biggest rules that Forza taught me was how the difference between taking not using gas and turn like not accelerating in turns and it a hundred percent improves my actual driving because mm-hmm. it a hundred percent works that exact way if you're going to a sharp turn you brake before the turn then you take your feet off the brake you, you put no gas and then you just coast it out and you turn it and you have so much more grip and traction and that's such a real thing so a lot of the game is really about like how do you enter turns how do you exit a turn when do you turn the gas on? It is such a like fun experience. Like, ew, I love playing it. I will say, with all the peripherals and stuff, those games are a lot of fun. You know, if you have the actual steering wheel and the pedals, um, not the arcade so, style ones that are always janky, but I guess like the the ones you can buy for home. It sounds less like the Dark Souls of racing sims and more like the Death Stranding of racing sims. Uh. I, the only reason why I would say it's me, I, I haven't played Death Stranding. The only reason why I said Dark Souls is because it's just super unforgiving, like in some regards. And mm. the reward is the challenge. Yeah. That sounds right. So Forza is a stranding game. Mm. Now, Forza, if you took a Forza game and made it into a TV series. Now that'd be interesting. There'd be no dialogue. It would just be watching people drive cars. Just... <laughs> so it wouldn't be Fast and Furious. That's not a translation. There'd be no plot. Oh, so it would be Fast and Furious. Yo, Fast and Furious is, from what people told me, has one of the <laughs> deepest universes. Man, any it's universe. all theories. Uh, I think you're being lied to. Well, all not deepest, theories. but like the most succinct one. Like all the movies are very like well, they are linear. Like, like not even linear, like in the sense of like time, but like say, say for example, Tokyo Drift takes place in the past, in the timeline, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you know, but like what happened in Tokyo Drift has a really important impact on what happened in Fast and Furious, Fast Five or whatever, because of what somebody did. Like it's it's very like intertwined. I, I've, I've got to go back and watch it. It's it's pretty it's pretty cool. That just sounds like movies to me. It's up there with, you know, the Marvel movies, the overlapping and the characters. Do they have giant crossovers? <laughs> and then the movie ends with the villain killing half the cast and you have to get your family together for the, the follow-up? Family. I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't seen the last... I think there's two that I haven't seen. The one with John Cena. I haven't seen. Is that... Nobody's seen it. I wonder we saw him. <laughs> No one saw him. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> the self-driving car. It's a test. Hmm. Well, well, Kyle. First of all, Kyle, I haven't heard you say a game yet, like oh. a, a movie or a TV show that you feel like would adapt. So, so I have to um, give a shout out because somebody was building this game, and it's actually a universe. Um, the don't the, you dare the don't DC you dare. universe don't was you getting a, a game that was going to be built. Shout out to Galva. Salta Galva and Teco. So the Arrowverse <laughs> was getting a, a fan game. And, uh, oh, yeah. And so 
I think something like that would be really cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm really another superhero game. That's what you want. Yeah, and that was that's part of the intro. If you, if you know about that game, rest R.I.P. is all I can say. R.I.P. Techosaurus is. I don't want to say R.I.P. Techosaurus, but R.I.P. His soul, his so. essence, <laughs> his passion, his drive. But I will say honestly, yes, the because uh, especially because of what we've been talking about, like this whole universe thing, and I've always been enamored by the universe. Of, and I don't think they did anything like crazy over the top or anything, but I like the way they handled it. But my my hero academia, like the way that they handled superheroes and kind of this idea that everyone kind of is a superhero or a lot of people are because of how <laughs> some people like the idea that pe- regular people have quirks, but then it wasn't how strong your quirk was but what you did with it that made the difference was cool to me and so in my in my mind it was, I, this would be a huge undertaking but an mmo where no two people have this exactly the same quirk and there's systems in place where you know you can interact with the world <laughs> and things like that to make it useful like going through the process of giving like a tool set and having to figure out can i survive in a world with it and it's different than somebody else so it's not like you follow you know the same storyline as someone else as in you know in like modern rpgs you can pick a class right i want to be a ranger and so they give you a bow and you follow all the things that makes you a, a great with a bow and arrow and so you're different than the paladins because they don't have a bow i'm thinking like a step ahead of that where no other person really can do what you have to do you have to figure things out so it'd be super what if Deep. What if you get a quirk that sucks? Well, that's the You're thing. Stuck with it? Yes, because in my hero, there were people that had quote unquote sucky quirks, but they figured out how to make them useful. And so, right. So I like that idea that nothing is useless in context, and and then have things systems in place to where someone could figure out the context. Maybe even the developers don't know the context of how to make something useful. Oh, like I, I think a lot about like Lemillion. Like, he actually has a really trash quirk, like, when you think about it. But, like, because of how, you know, and if you're not familiar with My Hero Academia, I'm not, I'm just not going to say anything about him. All I'm going to say is, like, he has, like, somewhat of a trash quirk, but he really found a way to make it super cool. Um, And he was very good at using it. Mm -hmm. I I would say this. I like that idea, but I would change it slightly. What you you got? I, I would not make it an MMO. I would make it just a normal like single player and I would have like what what would be called like a quirk creator and like at the beginning of your game you could like kind of like in a Skyrim or something you have all those like attributes and you can like mm, oh I want to you know yeah like I could do sneak or whatever <clears throat> and you set that up and then you see how it plays out you know and then you know, just as a way, like, maybe the premise of the game would be, like, you're working with some scientist who's found a way to modify quirks, you know, in the, in the, to make them better. So you start with, like, this base quirk, but you can slowly upgrade it to become better and more what you want. And then, like, you know, but I do like the idea of, like, you having a quirk that you have to deal with. But I, I wonder if, be like, I wonder if in a game that would even be possible 
because like if you had a quirk that was like your farts smell bad like how do you you know like it would have to be like you couldn't have everybody with a unique quirk because the system would be somewhat limited so you'd kind of you'd kind of have to unless you made a true simulation of a world or something you know i have an idea so with the quirks you you have the sliders right or maybe not the sliders but you know how you can you can level up different attributes like dexterity or sneak like you said um Mm -hmm. luck whatever Maybe you have you you get points to start, and it lets you pick your pick the skills that you want to level up in, like out of the points that you have, and then based on what your spread is after that process finishes, it picks a random quirk for you that out of a pool of quirks that are kind of aligned with those skills. So you kind of choose but, your play style. Yeah, you choose your play style. Was that that was my main problem? I'm like, what if, what if you have a quirk that's great for like ranged abilities, mm-hmm. but you just you don't want to play a ranged game. You want to play a melee game, so you pick a you yeah it it molds to your play style, and then it doesn't change. You just have to find ways to play with it or like upgrade your tool set to to work with it better. So it's kind of like the combination of both of your takes on the idea. Yeah, I. I now changed my idea because I think Kyle, what you said, might actually be really cool if you take Steve's mechanic, but change it a little bit where the quirk, all you can do is choose like ranged offense, defense, healer, whatever. Like there's classes and then it then all like then maybe you do the slider, the affinity thing, and then it gives you a random ability. But the reason I think an at least maybe not an MMO, but maybe a multiplayer game or something where you could play with a party, right? So you could have a balanced party, you know, where mm. it's like you have one person who's an attacker or like, you know, offense, one's a defense, one's a hit, you know? And so you could have this really weird kind of setup. And then like maybe you could have PvP where you play against other people and you don't know exactly what their quirks are, but you could see what type they are. So you're like, oh, this is a defensive person. So when I approach them, I'd have to be aware, okay, they have a defensive move, but I don't know what it does exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, that might be kind of fun. I think so, it'd be even better if you couldn't see what they did. Like, you have no idea. Because that's how it is in the show, right? Like, you walk up to somebody and... You don't know their quirk. All you really... all The, all the only clues you really have is, like, the costume and the name. So, well, the... Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. So, when I was thinking of the idea, I guess, <clears throat> I wasn't really focused on it being on like you have you get these quirks and then you're tested in combat but i was thinking more of it all on a lot along the lines of if you wanted to go the route of you know traveling out and fighting some sort of mobs with your quirk you could or if you wanted to do something else i don't know what those things are but like if you just wanted to be in a town and you know <laughs> it, a clerk yeah, and so like if your quirk is just I think one of you said like just you make these terrible rancid fart clouds, then you know that's just your thing. And so I was thinking more of it being like a community sim. I, I don't know how to really explain it, but so that's where the MMO thought came like from. Second life with quirks. Effectively, yeah, where you yeah, you load in, you get a quirk and then it it doesn't define how you play the game. And not everything is centered around it, but you could you you figure out how you want to use it, 
in in the game. Okay. Uh, so in theory, if somebody is like really good, they could become like a, a a villain hunter, but they have no like useful combat quirk. They're just Batman, basically. Right. So you're saying you want Roblox, but you basically want it <laughs> as uh, My Hero Academia, because like to me, it's like or like a Minecraft. Like that makes sense, but it's like you. It's almost like the ultimate game, right? The game where you have every system in there so you can make whatever you want right for and sure i think when i even in this conversation and i was going to say this to you steve i immediately put my game dev hat on <laughs> and i think about like what would actually be fun versus like what would be a cool idea mm-hmm. because like i think what is a cool idea is not knowing what other people's abilities are but what is actually fun when you're playing is that not that right like like right. i i think like knowing some base idea of what you're going to interact with makes the game somewhat predictable and somewhat like manageable and stuff like that so i think in my head i immediately went to like okay what systems in the game would fundamentally like maybe engender more fun versus like like it's kind of like if you played apex but you had no idea what people's abilities are when you approach them like it would be really really kind of annoying and I think mm-hmm. that ca- one of those expectations too is like under the under the guise of rules in combat, you know, like to know something about who you're fighting for the rules of engagement, I th- especially in a in a game setting, is important. So I think context is really important too, because if somebody wasn't a threat to you, then knowing that information about them on the forefront wouldn't be as important. I also wonder how you would even go about programming all these quirks. Like, what if somebody has a, a teleportation quirk? You have to build a system that lets that makes that like controllable, or God, even like super speed. You can't really make a super speed quirk in a video game. The best you can do is speed, <laughs> <laughs> speed. Just or like you can't do like time. Well, I've seen some games do really well with time. What they do is in a multiplayer game, they make like a bubble. So time is slowed down for anybody in this bubble, but anybody outside of it, everything is normal. So you don't have to, mm. so kind of it's contextual, it's like super cool. But um, I mean, yeah, I think fundamentally you'd have to create a whole bunch of sets of small abilities and then like basically create a system like, oh, like somebody can have an attribute that affects their speed. You can have an attribute that affects your size. Yeah, You can have yeah. an ability, an attribute that affects your you know your bounciness and ability, you know and all these things and then mm-hmm. you just take like three of those traits and you put them together and at least it works within your system but the problem being is like without actually designing each of those abilities you can't really be sure if it's offensive or defensive or x y and z right yeah so that's i mean that might be fun to figure it out but also it's like is it fun maybe it's fun if you fight npcs or something but i don't think you want to fight other humans you know yeah 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 it could be cool yeah i think i think i'm more just like the idea of randomness <laughs> and so that's so in, in the universe perspective it's just having having the just the just the thought of 
say a thousand people loading in and no two people being able to do the same thing and then kind of discovering that together almost my hero second life my hero second yeah i don't know that doesn't I mean, sound like i think you could do it it would be kind of fun if it was kind of like, you know how like servers can only be a certain size mm-hmm. well if yeah. if you as a game developer made a thousand quirks right like you had to make them because they had to fit in your game Mm. And then when somebody joins the server, they're one of a thousand. They just get one of those. Uh, you know that could work. That yeah. could work as long as it's like finite. And then so you could have multiple servers, and you don't know, you know, you know, kind of like the best game ever created, uh, Chimera Land. You know, <laughs> you have a, a limited amount of people. So, no, I'm kidding. Um, but, I could see how that could go wrong, but it's not a bad idea to begin with. Yeah, yeah. It's much more manageable that way because yeah, true. I guess randomness is or i guess talking about chimera land more like um balan wonderland Ooh, <laughs> all you how, can how do is you? your quirk every how button that's is like mapped. every button is your quirk <laughs> that's like invoke invoking the name voldemort in the video game world well, you can't you can't bring balan wonderland into this <laughs> well here's the thing i mean the reason i bring it up is because that's a game that has what hundreds of different powers you can pick it's up 80 if they landed on 80 oh is it only 80 okay well whatever <laughs> They really, they really put all their eggs in that basket. But yeah, all, they have they have a ton of powers, but all the powers suck. True. And I feel like it doesn't help that it's one button. But I kind of wonder, like, is that the is that the experience you want people to have? It's like, oh, I can turn into an ice cube, and then I can't turn back until th- six seconds later. Hope I don't use it on a slope. You know, like. Mm. Yeah, I think Battle in Wonderland is like one of those games where. It's not a systems game where like each thing has its own properties. It's like each thing can only do one task. So yeah. it's like yeah. super stupid. Limited. If, like, like, oh, I can be water person. Oh, or I can be ice person. I can accomplish this. Like, nah. You have to or I can person. jump exactly. in this platforming game. And when you're ice person, if you get hit, you lose that ability. That is such, yeah. That is. There's just so many mind-boggling decisions in that game. I really don't understand. Bad decisions. Yeah, mind-bogglingly bad decisions. <laughs> uh. I mean, I know I know we just recently talked about this in another uh podcast, but I think of a fun game if they had like an avatar uh the last airbender, not the last air arbender. Um mm-hmm. but like <laughs> nice the an avatar of the last airbender would be really cool if once again you weren't ang you weren't qatar you weren't one of those characters mm. but you were in that world so you could choose one of the nations kind of like would being be really cool your class and then like i know that the thing is i really do think like most movies or uh books to video games are gonna always lend easily the quickest to action rpgs Mm-hmm. Like because most movies and games are all about the world and the narrative and stuff, right? So the best way to Im- get into that world is through an action RPG. But I think like being a Earthbender and having your stats of like oh like durability and stability, you know, like you know, like all these different things and like how you could like ex- like how those could play out in the world would be really really fun, and you could have like an an airbender who is like super crazy like speed but very weak you know mm-hmm. like has no strength you could have a firebender who has like crazy firepower 
but like slow, and, no mobility, you know, like something like that. I don't know. And you could, well, you could actually make that make sense because, um, I, Uncle Iroh would say that the best benders take from other nations. Like the reason why he was such a good firebender was because he would use movements and stuff from water benders and earth benders. And so, so you can contextualize that by, yeah, the, the more like strength heavy firebender would also have an affinity towards, you know, earth bending techniques or something. And so you could rationalize the stability. Ooh, you could be you could be the avatar, the avatar. And what it could be is that at the beginning of the game, you could choose what nation you're getting reincarnated in. So like, what are your base stats and skills, uh. right? And then you have to learn the other elements, but like yeah. one is like, oh, because you're, you know, your air, earth is harder or something, you know, so on and so forth. And like, so you got to go and you learn these different attributes, but eventually like your your who you are as the avatar oh my gosh the avatar <laughs> becomes like this more holistic person but like maybe there's like it's kind of like a pokemon like a pokemon whose fire type can't learn you know water type moves so like maybe you're like limited like oh i can't learn the highest level you know uh water move because i'm a firebender right as my origin but like my most gangster fire move is like super super gangster. Ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, so it can you could also like not just the way that you fight, like the moves that you do, but the way that you interact with the world. Like, oh, maybe fire, fire has specific uses. There's specific things you can do. You can burn things up. You can light. You know, you can light fires for cooking or for light. Uh, open new paths. You can fly, uh, and then air benders can fly. And they can, oh, but firebenders, for example, wouldn't be able to move things around. But then airbenders can kind of move things around. Earthbenders can easily move things around. Mm -hmm. And waterbenders can surf. uh, Like, yeah, like, I'm getting the orders mixed up. But yeah, like, there could be different types of interactions that different elements are better or worse at. So all together, there's, you have like perfect harmony. You're good at everything. Mm. I think, yeah, yeah a game where fun. you play as an avatar aside from Korra or, or Ong would be really cool. All right, all right. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something really crazy out there. Let's take, it, let's take it outside of the single-player action RPG. Let's take it to the next level, MMO or multiplayer-type game, right? I'm at, okay, any of y'all familiar with uh, Buffy, the last, the last vampire? <laughs> the last vampire slave. <laughs> what is happening to you? <laughs> Buffy. My brain, there's too much going on. Buffy, this man's got sick brain. The vampire uh, slayer. No, this is my normal brain. Come on, bro. Let's be honest. This, I don't know. You're a little. You're a little. You're a little uh, go back off today. I, I encourage you to watch every episode. Me and remembering names, remembering stuff like that, is always terrible. I normally go, <laughs> you know, the green dude, the dude who, you know, like that's just who I am, mm. right? So, um, so Buffy the vampire, the vampire slayer, slayer right? One thing that Shailene was really big into that show, I never watched it, but something that interested me was there's this whole plot where Buffy, like, died or something. Oops. And because there can only be one, there always has to be one uh, vampire slayer, another one became, like, imbued with the vampire slayer power. But Buffy came back to life, so she still had her power, right? So there was two vampire slayers. So what if in this game... 
there is actually multiple avatars. Like, they are all born at the same time. Like, the last avatar died, and four, pe- four people were born at the same time, simultaneously, and they all became avatars, right? So there's four avatars, and you can choose which one you want to be, right? And then it's like an MMO game, so your friend could be the Earth avatar, you know? Earth Nation, Fire Nation, Water Nation, you know what I'm saying? So you could have like this, like kind of like a Deep Rock Galactic. Like every person is just one class. So you could have this oh. like. And if you're, and- you're going to go classes like that, then what's the point of having them be the Avatar? That's a their ability. Their ability to to do other um, classes, right? So you could have the Firebender. But remember, like you said, if you were born in the Air Nation. That means your base ability is your ability to fly with your little flying thing, right? But nobody else could do that, right? So that is your base locked ability. And if you're a Fire Nation person, your ability to do something fire related. And if you're, you know what I'm saying? So everybody has a base ability that is locked to their class, right? And they can learn other things like, oh, I can learn a little bit of water bending. But once again, you're limited to basing on, based on your affinity, right? So, like, you could never learn hydro pump, <laughs> you know, you could only learn squirt, you know, or water gun. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> so, so like you could have like a mix, but there's always going to be an affinity. Like, you're always going to have the person who's going to fly, the person who can go underground. Like, for example, if you weren't born in the Earth Kingdom, you couldn't metal bend or something, you know, like that might be the caveat. So it'd be like this weird, this balance and you'd fight these different. I don't know. That's that's a thought. I really like I feel like those are two cool ideas, but I really like the the more DRG approach where no there's no overlap. Like you have to rely on the other people. Yeah. Because that's what I was gonna say. Is like if you have class classes and you have teamwork, to me it's not worth breaking the lore to have four avatars to have just to have a little bit of overlap. When you don't really need it if you're if you're in a class based party, but I can see I guess the reason like the one of the reasons why DRG does work though is because everyone has a pickaxe, everyone has flares, and so everybody can do the yeah. basic stuff, and it's just better when everyone else is around. So you definitely have to balance it whatever you're doing in that way, which I would think if it's around that universe, you're probably in combat, and so basic combat skills everybody will have, and so then and- your specialized abilities would be whatever. Your bending is. Ooh, maybe the maybe the gameplay loop would be you're exploring, like the un you know the untouched wilds of the world, and that's why you're in danger and why you're fighting animals and stuff. I mean, I and I think you could really contextualize it where if it's four people who are all the avatar, that means that they're all like one fourth the power of the avatar, right? So like they'll never. So their ability, like you said, Kyle, like with DRG, everybody has a pickaxe. Everybody can call Molly, Molly, and everybody <laughs> can throw flares. So like you can give everybody the base level like abilities. Like you need to be able to move water for puzzles, or you need to be able to call, turn on fires. You know, like some like low low level. But then like each person has like one DRG skill that's like very very useful, and um. I like the idea of, like you said, that they'd have to go to some other part of the world. Because that's just... I, I don't know if the whole map is the whole world, you know? It'd be cool if they were going somewhere else. 
Yeah, it's unclear to me whether there's any wilds left. You know what? I don't like the idea, like I said, but one argument for having everyone be the Avatar could be that that would allow you to have missions or part of the story take place in the spirit realm because only the Avatar can go there. Um, Actually, I don't know. Is that true? I haven't watched Legend of Korra. Who knows what uh, yeah, the, innovations have been made in the lore? Yeah, the, the the spirit realm is just like if you have the ability to go to the spirit realm. It's just a like but, if you're a monk, a crazy monk, you could do it theoretically. But you can't use oh, bending okay. in the spirit realm at all. Only the Avatar can, or no one can. There was a point where no one could. I don't but remember. I'm pretty sure I mean, it would make sense if nobody because could because bending that's why the, is a physical thing. Yeah, like that's why the harmonic convergence was such a big thing in Korra was because they fought when the spirit realm and I guess living realm were converging, aligned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should watch it. You should watch it. I could say more, but. Yeah, you should watch Legend of Korra. I think I will. I, I'll, I'll watch it eventually. I was kind of put off. I never really liked the first season, but I think at this point, it's so easy. It's on Netflix. I might as well finish it. We liked it. It was good. Yeah, yeah I liked I liked especially, I, I think it's the second season. When it, whatever they do, the, the origin of the Avatar stuff is super Oh, cool. that is cool. I didn't like Korra as a character. I didn't like that they, they, they moved away from the cool setting of the first show into like the the steampunk you know early new york style city i didn't like that i hated the announcer who was like next time on avatar let's see what happens in this fisticuffs battle yeah like i that put me off so much but i'm like the the interesting lore might be worth it yeah the storytelling was still pretty good the animation was top notch that's what i hear yeah i think i think the show is really worth it especially for milo that's the only reason why anybody <laughs> should watch Milo. that show. Like who who Milo is, like is is so great. Like his evolution through the show, I love it. Okay, yeah, the character behind really that. I liked um, ah, what was his name? The Earthbender guy. He was cool. I like all the side characters. Now that you mentioned it, I just didn't like Cora mm-hmm. or the two brothers. I, I yeah, feel I think- like they wrote Cora intentionally to. Contra- not contradict, but not be, be different from Aang. Yeah, yeah, I get it. That, it's understandable. Yeah, but I think you you, you start to get it. Like she's kind of purposefully, kind of unlikable because of many reasons. And I think season two is where it really starts to shine, as far as like what it could be and what it was. Um, oh, so close. The game was also decent. The Legend of Korra game, uh, a bit repetitive. There was a lot of love that went into it. I think we should do a, a Legend of Korra deep dive. You know, season one, season two. Don't put that, <laughs> that bad juju on me. No, I'm saying in the future. I mean, once you finish it, you know, like. We can watch both animated series. Because we did. Uh, I probably I probably won't watch Avatar again because I've watched it in the past couple of years. But I'll, I'll do. I will probably watch Korra eventually. Yeah, if you end up watching it and you get close to the end, I'll probably just binge watch it again, like kind of more. <laughs> Catch up with me. Yeah, yeah you know, I've really already long. seen it, so it's more the details that I'll probably forget. Sure. All right. Sweet. That's awesome. Well, we can go ahead and start landing this plane then, fellas. Uh, is there anything, any last remarks 
either of you guys want to make, uh, I'll pitch it to you first, Steve. Um, we did not talk about board games or card games at all. We <laughs> stayed, stayed solely in the land of video games, and I'm not mad. It's true. Yeah, I don't know. No disrespect to board games and video games. I mean, board games or card games, but video games are kind of superior, and you can always mimic those experiences a little bit, a little bit in the video game. To some extent. Yeah, I just think that, like, I don't play enough board games to have a head for, like, the different ways that a game could be set up and, like, what the gamification looks like. I'm always amazed when I play a game. I'm like, wow, this is so clever. Mm -hmm. Whereas with video games, I, I play so much of it. I'm like, I can kind of... This, this expectations I have for how something might be gamified. So it's just easier. I think it just takes, yeah, it takes more effort to translate something into a board or card game. Because like you said earlier, uh, action RPGs are just so so familiar already. Yeah. Dime a dozen. I want Anthem. I want someone to make Anthem. But I want someone to take one of my favorite IPs and make it into Anthem and ruin it forever. What? That's my uh, that's my wish. What's your favorite IP you want them to ruin? Uh, I'm thinking maybe the Hyperion Cantos. Um, this epic sprawling saga of of uh, man and machine and alien. Not actually, actually not even aliens. Just man and machine uh, and poetry and time. And love. I won't go on, but that's a lot of different. I definitely things. recommend reading it. Yeah, four books. Well, I did want to say there's one last uh, like uh, media that I think would do well as a video game. Um, it actually just came out recently, and um, I think it's a TV series, and I think that it would do really well as a video game, especially since like the TV series is basically. I think the Halo TV series would probably do well as a video game. Because the Halo TV, TV oh, yeah? series isn't based on the video game. It's ah. just inspired by the video game. So imagine if they took whatever they do in the Halo series and actually made it into a game based off of that instead of based off the game. Like if you just <laughs> pretend <laughs> like how they... Are you just being goofy or do you actually have like a game in mind? Like, no, I, I would, like? I'm being goofy, but I also would love to see how a game would be created from yeah. a game-based show that wasn't mm. really inspired by the game, if that makes sense. Halo, like how I mean, the, the books, TV show could, the game. Hmm. Like, how, how different would the gameplay be if they just purely was focused on the TV series? Like, would it be, like, an action RPG instead of a shooter? You know what I'm saying? Oh, God. Oh. It's just a, uh, it's a skin on Mass Effect. Master Chief skin. <laughs> oh, oh, I was going to say this. I would love to see Arcane as uh, a game like not really? not league of legends but like that would be an action rpg yeah, well not an action rpg but more like <laughs> like some like like maybe even like a, a smash but i don't know like i just think there's maybe action rpg but actually just makes sense because it's like, <laughs> like but i think it would be cool to play it from that scenario Ooh. because to me a fighter a fighting game would be cool because mm-hmm. to me like league of legends is not something i want to play but i do love the the world that they've created so it'd be cool to see it in a game that's more accessible and not so toxic that like i could actually enjoy lego arcade a fighting game would be good i think like a maybe like a civ type game where you build up the city 
and you have to like maintain politics and like do research into magic without blowing up blowing yourselves up Mm. Ooh, so you could just like there'd be like different like factions like you could have like piltover yeah. you could have the under uh what's it called under the, city the under yeah, city then sure. you could have big swole ladies like nation yeah, coming from out of town yeah, starting so starting kind trouble. of and you could yeah that'd be super cool like a kind of a a sieve type that'd be interesting that would actually and i don't know if you guys have had a chance to, to play it since we talked about it, but villainous i think the way that that game works would lend itself well to any series that has a bunch of really strong characters with strong motivations that kind of overlap and even contradict what other people are trying to do because that's kind of mm. the crux of the game. It's it's very it's similar to Civ in the way that, you know, you're not working together necessarily and you're affected by like chance cards type things. Maybe we've been thinking of this the wrong way. We should have been thinking of interesting games that could be reskinned with our favorite movies and books and stuff. Like I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Darkest Dungeon and I'm like, what's a good horror IP that would work for Darkest Dungeon? Mm-hmm. Or maybe we could have not I like that idea too. Like write it down. Super agile bros. We need to keep that one. But um write it down. I'll, okay. I'll, I also was like, what about what games would be really cool to see in a different genre that it currently exists in, right? Ooh. Like, so, like, we just talked about League of Legends. Like, what would be a cool way to convert it to another thing that would really be, like, really fun and interesting? Or, like, yeah, like, League of Legends to a action RPG or Dark Souls to a kart racer. I guess that's happening. Um, <laughs> Dark Souls to, like, a fighting game. You know what I'm saying? Like, what would be, like, interesting genre changes for games and what, what would maybe smash you know, bros as a dating sim that already exists hot to fool <laughs> no <laughs> no that already exists it's called um fire emblem oh snap dang what <laughs> I've, yeah i mean it'd be interesting just to think of like what games what genres could you take a, a whole ip but I do like what you just shared too, Steve. You got some Thanks. ideas for the future. Dang, we should have we should have talked about this we still an can. hour ago. In- instead of talking about uh, a <laughs> stinking uh, what was it, Voldemort for <laughs> forty minutes. <laughs> just had to we get some things. We brought it back. We brought it back. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. So my final remark, I guess, would be uh, uh, IP that. I, now that you have me thinking about this, I don't know what genre or, but um, a show that I've always enjoyed watching, a game I would never play most likely, but would be for Courage the Cowardly Dogs universe. Oh. Like, talk about creepy, out of this world nonsense. I don't. I think that would be a good, like, horror RPG. I feel like that would be a good, uh, the Telltale model. Mm. Like, where you kind of have, you like. Think so? Yeah, like, I feel like courage trying to interact with all these weird characters and trying to get like to save muriel but like he has to like i don't know do his weird you know like (laughs) and all like take all the characters in that universe and like this we i don't know it might be interesting to have like these weird dialogue trees with these really like crazy characters that make no sense Mm -hmm. like that weird fox that still makes me feel uncomfortable i think he's a cat it was a cat. I don't know what that was. It made me uncomfortable. Or, or my... similar. Oh, you go ahead. 
I was going to say my other favorite character, which was uh, the bathtub alligator or whatever, who was like, you are beautiful. Who you are, you should never change. (laughs) (laughs) So many ridiculous characters. I can see why he'd be your favorite character. (laughs) Because of the bathtub. He's legendary. He's legendary. But I was going to say, I think the, I guess, puzzles and the way you would appease these characters would be reminiscent of those old point-and-click games where the solutions were just uh. completely like there's absolutely no way you could piece it together i can, I can I, see a courage cowardly dog point-and-click that'd be cool yeah i think that's a really good idea make it happen whoever's listening out there is is courage public domain yet <laughs> no <laughs> owned by cartoon network you they're yeah, come back in 80 years maybe man they in cartoon network's the type to do what they do which is like put courage in some random thing every once in a while so it's copyright renews (laughs) you know so you could probably actually genuinely i genuinely think you could convince cartoon network to give you the ip like they seem pretty cool yeah i mean the fact that adult swim exists shows you that they're pretty cool i think you could do it you could license it i think you could well get ready courage the cowardly dog point and click by super agile bros coming <laughs> point and click dating sim i think that's that's it <laughs> what's that even mean isn't it don't you already point and click in dating sims i was gonna say that actually like, you can have an action basically. rpg dating sim boyfriend dungeon yeah it's been done simpsons did it <laughs> the simpsons did it <laughs> Well, awesome. Play us out, Kyle. That's going to be it for our show today. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, brothers, for chatting it up today and the great ideas that kind of came as a part of it. So look forward to those, everyone. But uh, thanks for your time today, Steve. Show sure enough. Thank you, as always, for your time. Bradson, hope you feel better soon. Hey, man. Yeah. Give me 24 hours, y'all. 48 hours. <laughs> I'm going to be a new man. 62 hours. I'll be right as rain. And a big thanks. For everybody that's listening right now, you made it to the end of the episode. You're on a platform listening to us, YouTube, maybe Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Uh, You can listen to us on your smart fridge. We really appreciate the consistent support from everybody that listens and shares. We definitely notice. And shout out to everybody in the Discord, causing a ruckus each and every day. It's awesome. Great vibes there. But not going to hold you any longer. So until next time, take it easy, take care, stay safe, 